Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Swarfcast. Before we start, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love the show, please rate it and write a review on your podcast app or tell somebody about it. It really makes a difference for us and we'd appreciate it. Okay, on with the show. He said, myself and my dad, we only have three other guys. Three other guys. And they're machinists? Uh, no, they just, I mean, they're, you know, one guy, he just walks around, checks machines periodically throughout the day. And the other two, you know, they wash, clean, tumble, and, uh, you know, deburr on occasion. And our light assembly that we do to make these contacts we're talking about. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today, we're talking about how a Tornos shop can make money with a mini workforce. Our guest is Travis Erickson of Precision Components in Oxnard, California. Precision Components specializes in producing custom mil-spec contacts, primarily for the aerospace industry. Travis and his father handle all of the company's machining and quality duties and only employ three people. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. Welcome, Travis Erickson of Precision Components in Oxnard, California. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, first, I just want to get the the nitty-gritty of Precision Components, and uh, I want to get your story as well. For those that don't know, what does Precision Components uh, produce? Uh, essentially the core of our business is custom mil spec contacts. You know, they're OEMs that make your standard M39029 contacts for your aerospace and military application. But every once in a while, there's contacts where they make them a little longer, uh, a little smaller, whatever, lengthwise ODs, et cetera, to fit a custom application. And, Obviously, when they're custom, there's not a lot of volume there. So that's where we fit in to the cog that, you know, making contacts for the big OEM aerospace companies. Okay, I'm going to sound so dumb here. Contacts, you mean like uh, connectors? Electrical contacts that go into circular connectors is the most common application. Okay. And how big are these parts? What's the diameter? Uh, we will do things, you know, I go up to a 16 millimeter or 625 inch, but, you know, and we can go all the way down. We'll make pin diameters that are down to 
13 thousands. Wow. All the well, large spectrum there. Very interesting. And what machines do you guys do you guys use? I we, I a little um, background. I met Travis when we were selling. Uh, first, we were we were trying to sell a Deco thirteen, a Tornos Deco thirteen, and then spoke with him recently about a Deco ten, which uh, he wasn't really interested in for the price, but uh, it was a great opportunity to connect again. And um, so tell everybody what, what you guys are mainly running. All Tornos across the board with uh, nine Deco 10s, uh, Deco 13A, and an Evo 16, and then even an old school ENC 162. Interesting. Which is practically older than me. So most of them are are Deco tens. How how old are yeah. these? Around like late nineties, two thousand. We have one of the, fir- the the first Deco ten that ever was sold in the United States. Really? Yeah, we bought it at the floor show at West Tech. You know, my dad did circa ninety seven or ninety eight maybe, and went to the show, and then it in L A, and then it was brought to brought to us. That is interesting. Do you guys normally buy your machines new or used? Um, we've three brand new, or actually four. So half of them were bought brand new. Okay. You know, over the years. And so you have okay. So you have an Evo Deco. When did you buy that? That's that's the uh, the Mercedes of Tornos, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Two thousand sixteen? No, seventeen. Okay. Bought it. How much did that cost? If you don't mind me asking. When you talk freight, tooling, everything, you're almost 400000 400000 And so why buy that versus, does, does Tornos make like a cheaper version of that? Yeah, sure. They, do. they have uh, their GT line and, you know, they've had a couple offshoots of machines. You know, obviously their Evo is the cream of the crop. But um, for, for, but what it really comes down to is what we're making here. Everything is, you know, we get maybe one thousandths tolerance on a lot of diameters. So I have to have a piece of equipment that can run that all day, every day, you know, and not have issues. And you can't do that on a, either a different Tornos or, or do you think, you know, a Sugami or a Star could get that same? You might, but never tried it. And stick we and put it this way, we know our machines are approaching... 30 years old and that's incredible you know and they're getting up there in hours where it's almost time to rebuild but they're still holding i can still run them all night they don't move and you know so you look at it from that perspective it's like don't mess with something that's not broken totally totally okay so before we go any further i want to get a little background on you and on the company when was precision components founded uh, and it's different, you know, names and such over the years and formations. It's been since like 88. 88. Okay. You know, he's had some partners over the years and whatnot, but. Your your father started it. Yeah. He started it in 1988 out in San Fernando Valley. Now here we are. I'm 34 almost. So, and I've been with him uh, 11 years now, full time after finishing school. Mm-hmm. And you're in Oxnard, California, da- around the corner from Haas. Yeah. The Haas factory, I can almost go out front and see it. Wow. You've never had any applications, though, where you considered buying a Haas for? 
No, I mean, for the parts that we make, it, it's Swiss turning is the only way to make them. Mm-hmm. You know, chuck and rechuck or anything like that, you'll never be able to make the parts. Now, what, did, what did you study before you uh, came to work? I just did, I did marketing, actually. Interesting. Did you always think you knew you wanted to go in the business? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was always in the back of my mind, you know, but uh, I went to Berkeley, so. Nice. Oh, it just, it was so crowded when I went to school. It was really difficult to get into certain majors that you wanted to. That's interesting. Like, what did you want to do? Engineering? I would have loved to go to the business school, but the business school at Berkeley is, I mean, it's very difficult to get into. That's interesting. I didn't even realize that. I figured you were, you were in there and then you get to choose whatever you want. It, the way when I was there, you do your basic core classes and then, you know, based off that, you know, if you did okay, yeah, you, you can go a lot of places, but you had to be all the way at the top in order to get into the business school, you know, and it's Berkeley. So, you've got to have a perfect everything. Oh, I'm sure. So, you majored in marketing mm-hmm. and um, and then eventually you went into the business. Do you guys have a website? No, never needed one. That's a little ironic. <laughs> I mean, I actually put one together years ago, but naturally uh, the old computer crashed and it was stuck on there and I couldn't recover it. I, was, I mean, I was about done with it, but haven't revisited it, that you know project yet. Has your marketing side come out and you said, we need to, we need to promote this company, we need to market it to customers or just to, to represent ourselves? I mean, I do that with our existing set of customers, you know, our core couple that we, you know, cater to and do a lot of work with. But, uh, you know, here the thing is, you know, we're not trying to go out there and conquer the world. You know, we're, we take our work that we get and, you know, we make money. You know, our employees get taken care of well. You know, I mean, yeah, you, there's plenty of room to grow, but my boots wouldn't have to, couldn't be here, you know, in the shop. They'd have to be on the road drumming up business and whatnot. But, um, you know, we, we've never really needed it, put it that way. So, uh, how many employees do you have? He said, myself and my dad, we only have three other guys. Three other guys. And they're machinists? Uh, no, they just, I mean, they're, you know, one guy, he just walks around, checks machines periodically throughout the day. And the other two, you know, they wash, clean, tumble, and, uh, you know, deburr on occasion. And, our light assembly that we do to make these contacts we're talking about. That's it. What about like a quality person? I handle all that. I run our whole ISO system. You run what system? The whole ISO 9000 system. Oh, can you pretty much just leave these machines to go? Or you run lights out? Do you- yeah, We run lights out when need be, you know. We got, I got a large run or, you know, customer wants something overnight, you know, really expedited. Yeah. We'll let the machines run, you know, applicable to what, you know, kind of material or whatever we're running. But uh, yeah, you know, if I want, I'll run 18 hours at night when we walk out of here and have 2,000 parts ready for the morning. Have you had more employees in the past? Yeah, we used to have a lot, really. But, you know, when things tanked in, you know, 2009, 2010, you know, I mean, they weren't great people. Like we had, you know, a lot of people sitting around deburring cleaning parts. And then we also had two dedicated uh, setup guys. But, you know, when they wanted to, you know, you know, test out other opportunities and, 
you know, one guy had been here for 25 years. Wow. He decided he'd try something different. And, you know, we just kind of let him walk. And we did that with the other guy, too. You know, I said, hey, you want to go somewhere else? That's fine. You know, I'm not going to twist your arm because my dad and I, we can run the machines. And we've been doing it for almost eight years now, just myself and my dad. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. How has the business changed since you joined? Um, I mean, started out incrementally, but, you know, my dad used to do all the hard nitty gritty business from day to day, you know, watching money, making sure things are shipping, whatever. But now he's, you know, relegated and just said, okay, I'm running the machines and setting up. You deal with all the other fun. <laughs> and do you wish that you were running the machines more and uh, had somebody else to deal with uh, the books and the BS? It, it's 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 coming that you know that direction soon because I mean it's easier to find a quality manager or something like that than find a Swiss setup guy you know that wants to work and you know not going to jerk you around. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would think you could find you know somebody good in the office to keep the books and. Well, yeah, it's an account, but I just like even then, yes, I have somebody, but still hands on. I look at it all the time and just grind them and make sure everything matches the way I want to see it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's still, yes, I have, we have people set up for it, but it's like, I still find myself, I can't let go. I don't want to just, I don't trust anybody to just go, oh yeah, I got it done. It's all good. You know, whatever. So where do you see the machining industry going right now as far as your business and as far as on the whole, um, so you're mostly aerospace then? Yeah, I mean, there's commercial applications to these contacts. I mean, there's lots of them, but you know, like we don't do a ton of them because when you get into the commercial stuff, they want it for pennies on the dollar, and you know, you can mm-hmm. overseas for commercial stuff. Whereas some of the things we make, they're you know, you got to have DFAR material or actually even U.S. made only material. Oh, really? U.S. and drawings are locked in by ITAR standards, which means no foreign person can see the drawing or anything like that. So, you know, a lot of the stuff we have is subject to those regulations. So, yeah, you can't go to Asia or whatever, you know, go necessarily to Europe to get them made. But you feel like uh, business continues to be pretty good lately. You see, you see, uh, do you see any slowdown or you just see it's, it's pretty good? It'll slow down because the election coming next year. Uh-huh. Because the big, you know, the big boys, Boeing, whatever, Raytheon, they typically buy a ton of stuff leading up to it. And then they sit on their heels for a bit to see how things are going to shake out before they go requesting more money and, you know, funding new projects. It's like, it's just kind of a holding period usually happens, we see. Yeah, I think we see that too. It makes sense that it would trickle down to us. Do you find that during this time, you would be less likely to buy more equipment? Um, it's not so much that. The way I look at a lot of reason, you know, decisions we make it off is like, uh, what is it, Section 179, the tax write-off code. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be around? 
you know, what's the limit? Because only like three years ago, the limit was like uh, 70 grand or whatever, you know, and that doesn't do me any good to buy brand new Tornos because we've talked, it's almost 400,000, you know? Yeah. It makes physical sense to go spend, yeah, buy a machine, but you can't and expense it, you know, as a depreciation. What what's the one of the most important things you've learned f- from your father, whether it's working for him or or just uh, growing up? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, probably. I mean, we we work our butts off, you know, because we're so lean mm-hmm. as it is. You know, we've got a bunch of machines. Make you know, we ship a hundred thousand parts a month, but it doesn't happen without you know me, him, everybody just grinding it out. And getting done every month with everything that needs to be shipped on the books you know it's longer days and you know you're sweating yeah but it sounds like you wouldn't you you're not interested in having more redundancy so you could be able to get be away from the shop and take a breather eh, i put it that way i mean that's just the way this place has been ran forever you know yeah so it's hard to break a mold like that i mean sooner than later yeah i have a kid now so yeah i'm gonna need to be able to do something but we're you know we've (laughs) gotten things dialed in even more with you know less employees fixing programs you know doing the tooling correctly fixing the machines let alone you know from things that have guys have broken over the years and never said anything but (laughs) you know that's kind of like one of the next steps is you know actually investing in actually employees and getting some people in here that can we can potentially grow and be able for me to, you know, get some more business in here. Okay. Okay. So you do feel like you may go a little bit that route of, of growing. Oh yeah. One of these days. No, I get it. I get it. But see what I find interesting about you is that it seems kind of like, it's like when you, when you give somebody a half hour to do something, or, or an hour to do something and you give them the same task for a half hour, they can often get the same task done in that time. So it sounds like that's what you've done in a way for your shop. You know, it's, it's like, well, we could do this with X number of people and now we have less number of people, but we're going to get the same amount done because that's what we have to get done. Do you feel like that's a bit of your philosophy? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's like we had, you know, we were at one point, we had 11 total people, but they didn't really contribute in a full-fledged fashion and or they were holding us back, Hmm. you know, in terms of machining parts correctly, where we don't have burrs and, you know, with the Tornos, you can do a lot of operations on the machine if you want to do the legwork and the setup. And then you don't have to do a bunch of second operations and have people sit there all day, every day, you know, cross drilling apart or like I do for some stuff, put a logo of a customer, stamp it on the OD of parts. It's like the machine can do that yeah. and the machine will up every day and do what you tell it. And so, you know, we just that was a bulk of things around here is just tooling the machines up front and going, OK, this can be done now on the machine. It'll be clean. They'll come off and all we have to do is wash the parts. Yeah. You know, rather than having somebody sit there for four more days, putting a cross drill in them and doing this, doing that. Well, you know, it's just a waste of time. Well, that's the point. And that's the point of having a nine axis machine. 
That's exactly right. Plus, you can put a ton of tools in them. You know, you're not limited. Yeah. And you can move things. You know, while one thing's doing something, you've got the other gang coming in, getting ready to, you know, do something else and you keep your cycle times down. Do you have a few parts on you you can show us? Yeah. So let's see. Oh, okay. So that's pretty good size. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, if you're going to ballpark it, it's like the size of your pinky, but it, uh, you know, solder cup pin connector. This is a pretty, this is a big guy, you know. What, what machine did you make that on? Uh, this was made, I believe, last year. Made on the Evo. On the Evo. Okay. That's the OD's like uh, almost three eighths. So you can fit it in a ten if you wanted to, but it's kind of pushing it. Okay. And you got anything else? Yeah, I got this little guy. Let's see if we can dial it in. Um, Maybe you need to keep it further away so you can get it a little more in focus. There you go. Yeah, I mean, just crimp barrel socket. Whereas this side's got four slots and, you know, it's a spring. So it'll mate, you know, this is the female side of a connector. You know, you get a couple dozen of these mold, injection molded all together. And then uh, this will be the female and it'll mate with something like a pin on the other end that I just showed you. And like this side, they will crimp a wire in, you know, strip the insulation off, put a wire in, crimp it down, and that'll be a termination point. One more question, or as we as we wind this down, uh, you know, you're in California. I, I know there's some challenges as far as labor, um, wildfires. Yeah. Well, being in California, is that part of the reason why you have a small workforce? It's expensive to do business, just day-to-day business, period. It's expensive. Yeah. You know, state taxes, your hazardous waste permits, et cetera. They're all through the roof compared to what other, you know, states are charging. Property taxes, you know, we own our building. So, you know, it's no small chunk of change around here. Sure. And you said, you told me we had to postpone the, the podcast a week because of the wildfires. Yeah. For, for those of us not in California, just fill us in on that. What, what's going on over there? We just have these crazy wind and it becomes 0% humidity and hurricane gusting winds and it's just the perfect recipe for raging wildfires and where my shop is it's not bad but like where our houses are we're you know we're kind of setting like the rolling hills of the coast ish and they you know we've had last week i mean it seemed like everywhere in our county ended up having a fire Ugh. and it's just did you know anybody that had to evacuate yeah, I knew plenty of people. You know, you're calling around like you see, oh, it's over here today. And you touch base. Like I have one of the older machinery brokers. He lives in one of the areas that went on fire. I texted him to, hey, what's up? You know, and he's like, yeah, we're good. You know, it's up the road a ways. But and then the other day he texts me because there's a fire next to my house. Ugh. So it's just like, you know, because like my house is and my dad's is uh, close to what you may have saw on like national news. It's over by the Ronald Reagan library. You know, I'm five, six miles away from that. Oh my God. But luckily with the winds, the way they blow it, you know, I was blowing the complete opposite direction, but we're still pretty close. Yeah. But the business isn't, isn't in the line of fire really. No pun intended. No, not, not by a long shot. When we were out, you know, we're only six, eight miles from the ocean. So we're way far away from the hills. We're in the, we're, you know, Oxnard is just all farmland. Interesting. Well, 
uh, Travis, I really um, appreciate you being on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's good to learn learn a little bit about uh, you know going lean in California. I think a lot of people can get some perspective from that. You know, we just get caught up in our ways of doing things, and we're caught up in our ways. You're caught up in your ways. You can can always gather something from somebody else. So I thought it was really interesting. Thank you. Thanks for having me.